morning, happy Tuesday, and welcome to episode two of Adam Loves the Man. Thank you so much for joining us, and I have to say, already I feel so much better as a statist than as a libertarian. It's just, one, I'm not afraid of the censors anymore. I mean, they, they, you know, when you are on the right side of history and pro-authority and pro-government, the people who control the flow of information love you. They, they, they want you to be able to keep spreading your message. And I'm, I'm just, I, I, I mean, already I'm feeling so much love and support uh, from the world in, in, a, in a way that we never experienced. Uh, and it makes sense because, you know, as a libertarian, I'm, I, I, was, I was sending out, you know, all sorts of negativity and, and, and rebellious angst. And, and now it's just, uh, you know, calm, peaceful, love for authority that I have that, that, that dictates how we look at the world and, and, and we are able to see it in such a better way now that, that we understand it properly and I'm just it's the numbers don't lie so you know we're going to start today with uh, with some producer's notes I guess we should you know while, while CJ is with us here our intrepid executive producer from North Dakota uh, we should also point out that if you go to uh, AdamLovesTheMan.com, right there, AdamLovesTheMan.com, you can check out our store and support us with uh, Adam Loves The Man merchandise. You can go to, uh, you know, see, see our, our old Patreon, how we used to do things, uh, and, and let people in the producers club. Uh, you know, and, and, and I, we're, we're going to keep that going. So I, I want to uh, give people a, a contest today because... Uh, there was, you know, CJ. There was really only one thing uh, that I that I found disappointing yesterday is that I, I didn't get a lot of help from our, our audience in, in 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 trying to make the decision between Trump or or Biden. I still haven't voted yet. I mean, I I, I know I'm not going to throw my vote away on you know anybody but a Republican or a Democrat. But uh, I just I I hope we can get more comments today. But CJ, our producer, was very excited to see just how popular statism is. I mean, it's 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 awesome. It really, like, it really is. Uh, you know, the the comfort of being back in the herd feels good, doesn't it, CJ? Yeah. Good morning, Adam, and uh, you know, happy days out there in Gardenia. It is interesting to uh, look at the world from a statist perspective. To accept the reality of your slavery. To embrace it to be above reproach when it comes to preaching the narrative of perpetual war, taxation. These are all things that once you realize that once you stop questioning the government, you can start actually living your life. It's, it's, it's a newfound revelation. I think you're onto something. Well, you know, this, this, uh, the slavery idea, you know, I, I mean, some people think it's over the top. Like, and, and I, I want to, I know we have time to explain all of our cool new graphics that CJ did for us, but, uh, the, the slavery idea, like, you know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a, a violent, uh, or, or even racist kind of slavery here. We're talking about, a, a truly glorious, beautiful slavery. I mean, it's it, it, people might people might think like that that the use of this word here is a joke, or that it's somehow tongue in cheek. It, 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 I think the most negative thing you could say about it is that it's 
intellectually obtuse and deserves explanation. So we can get into this more in in, in later shows, maybe for uh, an extended opening monologue on, you know, the the virtue of, uh, you know, modern statist slavery. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when when we are tied and, and bound to each other and bound to the authorities the way that we can be through statism, uh, we come back to the to, to, to a unified herd, and, and man, CJ, tell us about the numbers. So uh, obviously, the uh, the old show Adam uh, versus the Man was seen. I think it was really taken for granted, honestly, that that we had a a show that we were doing two hours a day plus, five days a week, every day. Uh, and and the numbers weren't that active, engaged audience when it comes to preaching the message of love and, mm. and unity. Uh, but when we switched to Adam loves the man and slavery, uh, our views skyrocketed on on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, you know the the comment section for your video yesterday, I think, is a great example of just how many people took this message and and it basically gave every... It took it to heart. It took it to heart. It was yeah. really amazing to see how well-received this was. Well, actually, um, I think there's a lot of people that are still confused. Uh, they, they, didn't, they didn't experience the censorship the way you did, so they still don't understand why you're, you're taking this approach. Uh, you know, one of the... One of the things that, and again, I hope that we can get into this with Jim, is uh, is just the overall reaction, the difference between, you know, Adam versus the man, Adam loves the man. Uh, this is a transformation that needed to happen. It, it needed to fundamentally happen for this show in order to save and archive your, your civil disobedience as an example to others of the road you can go down if you choose this crazy libertarian path. I mean, I, I, I too, uh, believe that slavery is just the answer. It's, it, it's, it's, it's accepted. It, it, to say it's over the top, Adam, no, I, I don't think slavery has do, been done right before. I think we, we, we need to look at it yes. fundamentally different as a new approach to a solution to a problem that does really exist. Yeah, that's the important historical perspective. Thank you for bringing that in and reminding us of that, CJ. It's one of those things like once it's revealed, you go, uh, "Oh, it's 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 self-evident. Oh, this is obvious." Yes. And I mean, it makes sense that you know, as a libertarian, reflecting, you know, I mean, the worst of of human nature. I mean, again, it's really important that we protect the archive of my work, uh, if you want to call that deranged behavior work, uh, you know, at, at, at youtube.com slash Adam Kokesh, as, as a testament to how to be a bad American, how to be a bad person. And, and I, I mean, really- you're setting a new level for what it means to be an American. You're, you're, you're taking the, the, the proverbial torch of libertarianism, you're extinguishing that flame, and you're saying that yeah. it's, it's, it's not viable when dealing with the corporate world, with the government we currently have. It's just not a viable solution. And so the answer to this solution is acceptance and obedience to the omnipotent state. And I think that it's a beautiful transformation because it's going to really show people just how important freedom, well, what was, 
and 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 how much challenging it is is not really a, a benefit to anybody. In fact, right, and it's going to make me popular again. I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. Instead of hanging out with this like small crowd of losers where we're always trying to drag people into the libertarian movement, now it's like ah. Uh, well, you know, and, I'm at the cool kids table, you know, yeah, and it's going to give you a chance to to interview people and and get their perspective on why you should vote for Trump or Biden. Um, you know, you get to now you're a free agent endorser. You know, so you know if that endorsement matters to people, uh, you know who you endorse. I see that in the comments where you know we've already got the you should vote Trump, no you should vote Biden. Uh, so, oh, hold on. Before I forget, CJ, I, let, let me complete this thought. We're, we're, we'll be giving away membership to the Producers Club today for the most compelling argument to vote for Trump or Biden. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's still a little subjective, you know, make me laugh. It's, you know, it's, uh, it might be the most entertaining thing uh, to, uh, in, in the comments today, and that's how you win, but uh, best comments, and and there, if y'all don't step up like yesterday, we might have zero winners, and we could have multiple winners if 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 we can't decide. We've done that before too. We have we have unlimited memberships we can give away in the producers club. Yeah, you know, and and being in the producers club, just to let you guys know, it is a twenty four hour access to Adam, myself, Jim, and the other producers. Uh, we were in there chatting up till midnight last night, uh, you know, and and I think there are a few people in the producers club that were, you know, still stuck in that mentality of, hey, I can't accept this version of of Adam Kokesh. They know you as the civil disobedience dancer, shotgun loader, freedom flag bearer. And and to see this switch and this change, they just they can't come to an understanding. And really, uh, you know, I think they'll learn to accept their slavery over time. I, I, I really do. I think that there's a, a part of this conversation that we were missing as libertarians, that we were thinking that, oh, we can we can change the world with 100 views at a time. No, we, we need to embrace the status mindset, accept our slavery, produce the news. As, as as honest journalists uh, to the state agenda, and once we've accomplished that, uh, you know, you may very well chance in in 2024 of getting that statist vote and and uh, really showing people that slavery is the answer, freedom is a mistake, and we should be using our vote as force against our neighbor. That's really the the answer. It's great to hear your daughters in the background there, CJ. We got one more technical note, at least, right? We've got. Uh, well, you want to explain our, our channels? We're, we're basically waiting for Adam Loves the Man as the YouTube channel to be approved, uh, and, and we're using your channel for for today. Well, so YouTube censored, you know, your 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 former message, and so we we in in a, in in, a, in what will probably historically be one of our last acts of civil disobedience uh just to keep you on the platform itself your voice on the platform uh we are broadcasting just through my small channel just to see if the algorithms pick it up and, and have an issue with it that way um and and so really the goal is to get us onto adam loves the man youtube channel i believe you can start subscribing there now uh but we just can't start live streaming until we go through their validation process. And once that's over, uh, we can start to build up. We'll reach their benchmarks. And hopefully 
the censors will see that we have fundamentally transformed the message yes. of freedom, and and they'll they'll actually promote our work, and uh, we will be able to be in that trendy spot that that everybody covets, and uh, yeah, so. Right, I, 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 CJ, thank you so much. I, I, I really, that reminds me, I would like to take this opportunity to address the YouTube censors directly and, and first apologize for all my criticism of the past, but also point out that what we're doing now with this new format of the show is, is not only well within the YouTube community guidelines as they are clearly defined on, on your website, but this is also really supportive of that, and I hope you recognize that popularity and authority go hand in hand. And as I support your authority to control the conversation on YouTube and censor it for the good of uh, the good of the people of the world, I mean, you're so important now. You know, there, there really aren't any alternatives, and I, that, that you have such influence over the human conversation, what people are able to see, and and what gets out there, what people can talk about. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly support you in that mission, and, and I would, would also like to point out that at AdamLovesTheMan.com, there's actually uh, a document that, that we've got a blog post uh, where we talk about how we can strengthen the YouTube community guidelines and the censorship mechanisms of YouTube over time so that we can get humanity on the same page, we can get more uniformity, we can start marching forward together at least closer to lockstep. And I want to thank you all at YouTube for having a major role to play in this process. So uh, as, hopefully you guys see this and, and realize that, uh, you know, not only should you approve of YouTube.com slash Adam Loves the Man, but, uh, take, you know, promote it. Uh, you know, the, the way that, uh, you know, that, that most status broadcasts uh, are promoted over those that, that, that you have censored in the past. Does that, does that cover everything we need to say there, CJ? Yes, sir. And again, just for the record, you can go start subscribing. So if you want to, you know, get this scene on YouTube, please go over, start subscribing early. As soon as that's verified, we will be broadcasting. And, you know, I will be checking those boxes uh, appropriately uh, if there are sensitive issues that the the censors need to have flagged for our videos, and hopefully they will judge accordingly and fairly, and uh, it, and hopefully I'll be able to do a better job of uh, making sure the appropriate censor box is checked. All right, uh, a couple other that. Well, Steve, anything else in producers' notes? Uh, we're gonna we're, I'm gonna mention the guests, and uh, we got a really amazing guest. Oh well, my gosh, I'm I'm gonna set this guy up. Uh, mm -hmm. You've already said the uh, the, the website, uh, the Patreon. Uh, as far as producer notes go, uh, I would just say that we have our sponsor, uh, Cigar Federation. And yes, uh, I was gonna I was gonna get to that, but we'll finish the thought about oh, yeah. broadcasting format because we are still broadcasting on Facebook. Um, and and I guess if I could if I could get a message out to the censors at Facebook as well. Well, you know I haven't. I, 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 in the past, I, you know, I, I think Facebook did an inadequate job of censoring libertarian Adam. Uh, really, I had a few memes taken down uh, for being graphic, and they were really over the line, um, revealing the, the victims of war, uh, show, showing actual um, dead bodies. I, you know, that, there's, there's just no place for 
for that. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that, that needs to be censored so that government can uh, conduct the righteous violence that it needs to w- without being challenged or questioned. Um, but I, we have been, I think, significantly shadow banned on Facebook. And it, it, it's kind of strange to see that with as, as many followers and, and friends, you know, and we've switched from pages and professional pages and fan pages and blah, blah, blah. Now it's, it's all just on my personal page. And, and when we restarted there, we were starting from my 5,000 friends. And since then, uh, you know, I've, I've got 25-something thousand followers. There. So hopefully, you know, if people are watching this right now on, on Facebook, if, you have, if you're not, if you're watching this on one of our other platforms, uh, we're also on a Periscope, which should uh, have us live on Twitter at twitter.com slash Adam Kokesh. And I think it's the same thing there, Adam Kokesh, uh, K-O-K-E-S-H, on uh, Periscope if you go there directly. So if you wherever you're watching this, if you, if you could go to your other platforms and share it there too and make sure that this message that, that I have directly speaking to the censors at Facebook now, you see that, that, that I support your manipulation of the conversation on Facebook for our own good. I mean, if you let people follow sources of information that they think are important and see them in their feed when they're putting out misinformation, uh, there, there's a lot of room for fraud there. And, uh, you know, I, I think in, instead of, you know, giving, a, you know, helping people think for themselves, it's really awesome what Facebook has done in doing a certain amount of thinking for us. Uh, so I, I, Facebook, I, I, Mark Zuckerberg, whoever it is, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who, who happens to be managing their, their, their censorship operation, uh, their, their content control. Uh, you know, again, I would, I, you know, similar to what I would say for YouTube, if anything, uh, you know, there's, there's so much potential with your platform, Facebook, uh, to, to help unify humanity. And I think, I, I think you should be, more unabashed uh, in your censorship and support of, uh, of politicians in, in terms of, you know, what ads you let on and, and what kind of, you know, fact-checking that you do. Uh, but, I mean, I, I would say fact-check everything. You know, there's, there's no reason to, to, to give Facebook users that burden uh, of having to think for themselves in terms of, you know, when they see a post of deciding whether it's true or not. And it, it really does slow down humanity when we're not marching in lockstep. So thank you to the Facebook censors for all of your glorious essential work. And uh, I hope that you'll see now that uh, with, with the message that we're bringing you with Adam Loves the Man, we're much more in line with, uh, with your general mission. And, you know, Twitter as well. Uh, I guess to Jack Dorsey, I, I would say, you know, it's about time you start censoring the news directly. We've covered recently the um, the New York Post. I'm not even going to name. I'm not even going to name sensitive names here. No, um, because that's that's inappropriate, and that's that's the job. Again, you know, it's the same thing like with Facebook. Why would you at Twitter let people uh, or, or force people? I mean, I, I you really. This is one place that I, I don't support the use of force. Uh, these social media platforms should not be forcing their users to think for themselves. That's crazy. 
they, they really do need to step up and control their content more for our safety and, and, and to remove that burden. And so thank you, Jack Dorsey, for, for stepping it up with, with, uh, with Twitter because, you know, you, you really were behind. And, uh, and you're, just, you're just now starting to catch up. Although the pornography thing, I don't know. I, uh, you know, uh, we'll leave that for another day. But, uh, but yeah, Jack, uh, thank you for, for, for stepping up and, and engaging in that kind of direct censorship now. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely critical, you know, to getting humanity on the same page. So uh, last producer, or last uh, last part of the introduction here before we get to your comments and and comment, Jim. Oh, CJ, you got something else? Last part of producer notes, and then Jim was coming on. I was just preparing. That's all. Okay, yeah. So get Cigar Federation up there, CigarFederation.com. We're so grateful that uh, our our corporate sponsors have stuck with us throughout this transition. If you go to CigarFederation.com, promo code ADAM10 gets you 10% off your order. Uh, check that out. You'll you'll really enjoy the deals there. All right. Uh, I think that's it for, oh, uh, MakeThemDebate.com. Really fun new website for sponsoring debates. And uh, I would highly encourage you to go there. It's uh, Check out the format. I mean, take, take a few minutes, poke around. See what they offer for a way that you can personally engage with your uh, favorite people who you would want to see debate, and you can create new debates. You can uh, what, what you do is you make a pledge, and with, with uh, I think it's credit, debit, or PayPal or something like that, and uh, the money is not collected unless both participants agree and the debate happens or, or so something to that effect. But uh, check it out; it's a really cool mechanism, and uh, I'm I'm so grateful that we have. Uh, our very own debate manager for uh, for Adam Loves the Man with Mercedes from Nebraska. So if uh, if you want to send me an email, do we do we have an email? Uh, oh, we're still working. Uh, the the brand change is, is is slowing down some of our online presence, technical development, and, and social media, and everything might might take a while to catch up, but we'll get there. So bear with us as we uh, as we go through this branding transition. CJ. I do have one more note for you, sir. I'm from Meth, Dakota, not North Dakota. So, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, neither here nor there. So, uh, we do have comment, Jim Freedom, backstage. Are you ready? Yeah, but let me just say first, uh, while you're bringing him on, as our guest today is none other than Aria Demetso from New Hampshire. Uh, you might have heard of. I'm, I'm just gonna say this guy. Because I, 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 I really I, I, I don't know what to think about this, but um, uh, the, the, you might have heard of this guy as the transgender satanic anarchist. I will say that uh, that they refer to themselves as a she-male. Um, uh, her website is Aria Demetso for Sheriff, and it's uh, I, I, I definitely don't want to say what. They're trying to say with their website here, but it's F Sheriff Star 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 the Police. Uh, if you can't figure that out, be grateful that you haven't been exposed to to any kind of uh, you know subversive messaging. But uh, if you can't figure it out, I apologize for for invoking that word. Um, but yeah, uh, Aria is you know has been making waves nationally. Uh, with their run for sheriff 
in New Hampshire this year and is the Republican nominee. Yeah, we're going to untangle this knot a little bit. CJ, do you have anything else? No, I'm just ready to go with these. uh, Stay on for comments. Yeah, these comments, yeah. Let's do it. Comment, Jim. Welcome to welcome to the show. How you doing, brother? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll just start from the top with the comments. Amistadis says Trump did it. He is felonizing the AR and other quote large framed pistols. This is great for statism. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, gun control is a tricky one. Uh, but I, I, I just my my long term prayer here is that government becomes so effective that uh, firearms for for anything other than recreational use are are completely unnecessary. Uh, 1054 just picked up a new set of rose-colored glasses. He says they fit great. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Craig Doherty is warning people, beware of the slippery slope of libertarianism. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and that's one of the things that's going to come up with, uh, with, with Aria here. You know, there's a, most libertarians, uh, most Americans who, who would identify as libertarians and, and libertarian-leaning uh, are still generally good authority-supporting people. They're constitutionalists. They... They at least believe in the framework of, of our current power structure. But then you see punks like Aria here and uh, identifying as an anarchist libertarian. I mean, it, yeah, there's your slippery slope. Absolute nonsense. And it's just, it, it, and this is the thing. It's like when, when, you, when you give up your faith in authority, it's like giving up your faith in God. Or, or in Jesus, you know, and, and, and as your life falls apart, you're, you know, you want the, if you waver in your, uh, your commitment to truth, eventually you can't tell what the truth is. Coco, Steve says, I hope you get the contract to burn all the marijuana. Oh, so the, today's title for the show, Burn All the Marijuanas, is a reference to our top news story. Uh, very exciting to see that uh, the, the, that the drug war is, uh, is is trucking along nicely. Uh, so we've got we've got a pretty cool article about that. We'll come back to. State status is wondering if CJ gave his kids Red Bulls. That's the only that's the only thing I actually it's it, it's as sugary cereals we can get, and then we don't use milk. We use Red Bull. <laughs> Craig Doherty wants to know, is Mr. Kokesh running as an R or a D in 2024? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I, I can't even decide who to vote for. I mean, it really doesn't matter, right? I mean, if, if, if now, and this is if, uh, you know, since yesterday there has been significant speculation with, with this sudden rise in popularity that I, I should run for president in, in 2024. And uh, because people have, have gotten uh, a new confidence in, in me personally and uh, in my genius and being able to serve humanity by taking on the levers of power of the federal government. And, you know, my decision to run Republican or Democrat 
would, I mean, basically be the same as Trump's. And remember, Trump, uh, Trump, Trump uh, seems to be more sort of playing the Republican Party game. Uh, but he used to be a Democrat. Either way, you see that Trump's objective as a politician is to increase the authority uh, of his own power uh, and, and the institution of the federal government of the United States of America. And so if, if it comes to this, you know, my decision would be based on, you know, I probably which one makes, would I be more likely to win with? And, uh, you know, assuming that I would win with either, uh, then it would be which which party would empower me to grow government more. And it, it really is a tough call. It really is a tough call right now uh, between the Republicans and Democrats. If, if you look, uh, CJ, I don't know if you can pull this one up. Let's see how fast you are. The, uh, the, the, there, there's a graphic out there of the growth of the United States federal government over time with uh, vertical red bars and blue bars that represent re- terms of uh, Republican and Democrat presidents. And it shows that, you know, the, the, the growth of government has been, uh, you know, a pretty consistent uh, upward curve, uh, even outpacing population growth over the last 200 years of American history. You, you, was that enough to get you a search on it, CJ? Yeah, all right, there we go. That's it, U.S. federal government. Size as measured by spending by president slash political party. And, and as you can see here, uh, the, the general upward trend of the size of government, really. And at last, see, I, and a lot of people think that the Democrats are, are the party of big government. And they're, they're really not. Uh, you, you look at, on this chart, I believe the uh, eight bars, or what is that? Seven bars to the right. I guess I want you found one that was probably done uh, in. Yeah, this one doesn't account for Donald Trump. Right. It just goes through Obama. So this was done through 2015 data with with the second to last year of Obama's presidency, and you can see that yeah uh, he, he actually significantly reduced the size of government over the course of his his presidency, and you know this is. Well, you know, one of the one of the things that people, you know, I, I think needs to be rewritten uh, about the history about Obama, uh, in, in that he was, you know, uh, you know, gave us Obamacare, which was a great step in the right direction, of course, uh, and and you know, really grew government power. And you can say that, you know, with the, but no, but that mandatory mandate though on Obamacare, well, mandatory though. Right. No, no, I know. That's what I'm saying, that, that the increase in power of government, you know, might, might, you know, might compensate for him allowing government to shrink, uh, you know, to, to backslide there in, in spending by that one metric, right? I mean, spending could go down at the federal level and government control could go up at the state and local level or, you know, it, it's, it, it, there are budgeting tricks. Uh, where you can see government is still more relevant and more powerful, even if getting smaller. But honestly, I, 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 again, I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I love uh, Barack Hussein Obama, uh, it, it's hard to avoid, you know, this this one central objection that I have to his presidency, which was that, I, I mean, I'll say it two different ways, but it's essentially the same thing. One, that he allowed the size of government to backslide. And that he did not fully embrace the levers of power at his disposal to increase government authority. 
um, you know, like, like during Obama's presidency. What? what hold on. What, let's do a little, a little quick history search. Um, epidemics during Obama's presidency. Um, I, I think there were several uh, on on scale with, uh, with 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 Corona, and Obama did not declare uh, a national state of emergency. He did not increase the power of government as, as radically as Trump and, and uh, the, the current Congress has with, uh, with Corona. And I, I just, I think, you know, with that, there, there, were, there, there were so many missed opportunities in the Obama administration. Um, okay, so I just, I just did a Google search epidemics during Obama's presidency, and the first thing is Reuters partly false claim Ebola swap, excuse me, Ebola, SARS, swine flu, and Zika outbreaks happened when former President Barack Obama was... So anyway, there were, there were a couple, right? Um, there was, uh, you know, SARS, swine flu, uh, Zika. I mean, you know, and, and even if these didn't occur, uh, Ebola, like, I think, again, Obama could have used them more effectively to grow government power. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes absolute sense. I don't think Jim's going to agree with any of that. But I, I think there is a missed opportunity in the benefit to society overall in increased taxation through, you know, the, this coercion and, and this threat of violence known as taxation. But, I mean, really, when you look at it as uh, taxation being your civil duty to a government, uh, it really can change your perspective to – uh, like I said, accept your slavery, and uh, yeah, it's it's not easy for everybody, Adam. I mean, a lot of us were were waking up libertarians uh, yesterday morning and became statists overnight, and it's uh it's a transition that a lot of us are going to get used to. Uh, I I'm embracing my statism as we speak. I I have my admiralty law gold fringe flag, and I, I you know I I think that there's something to be said with presidents. It's like Donald Trump and, and, and Joe Biden. It's like asking, which one of your kids do you love more or less? You know? Right. And, no, and, being, a parent, and being a parent, your children do control you. So, I mean, really, these childish behaviors, uh, you know, really, it's, it's peacocking, political peacocking. And, and I think that, you know, it's hard to judge them each differently. But honestly, I, I, I think that, it comes down to, like you said, who's going to grow government more? Who's going to further increase the taxation? Who is going to put us into a perpetual uh, cycle of more endless wars? In fact, uh, I, I, I don't think we have enough war, Adam, honestly. Well, CJ, I think I mean, really the objective with it is for authorities to be so effective at controlling their populations that uh, we get to a point of, of global government at some point where where war is is really unnecessary, except perhaps excuse me to put down rebellions. But I want to I want to say something else here that's that I'm really grateful for the way you worded that about uh, turning back to statism. It, it really is a testament to the truth uh, of statism, of authority, and the virtue of authority that it, people are so easily called back to it. That uh, it, it, it's it's very hard uh, to fool someone into being a libertarian. It takes a lot of work, a lot of uh, a lot of lies and deception and propaganda. Uh, but to make someone a statist, uh, it's very easy. 
it's just, uh, hey, point out the truth, and people go, oh, yeah, got it. I mean, Adam, it's 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 better to die, uh, to live on your knees than it is to die on your feet. Oh yeah, I would live on my knees. I mean, I'm, you're alive, right? Yeah. That's right. Crazy. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a suicide. It's a suicide pact, essentially libertarianism. Yeah, yeah. You're basically saying that uh, the government uh, can kill you in the name of protecting its racketeering, and and re- really, in all honesty. Uh, you know, once you turn back to statism, it's not racketeering. It's organized uh, uh, prosperity for, okay. for all Americans. We, we do have to get to some news, but before we do, I want to see, and, and, and CJ, stay on for this. Are there any comments, Jim, uh, about whether I should support Trump or Biden this year? Um, no, nothing in that uh, specific lane. Nobody nothing. gives a Nothing! <laughs> Man. I mean, it's a collective effort, people. We all need to pull together. All right, all right. Well, then let's just get on to our first news story, shall we? Well, well Adam, real quick, we were going to go through these comments from uh, yesterday. I, I, I'll do Jim's job for me real quick. I wanted to get your response uh to some of these comments, so you must, uh, this is after the fact, after we were live, um, you know, you can kind of just see some of the reactions, if there's anything on here that you think is, some people think this is comedy, I, I don't understand why they're, they're not taking this message of statism so seriously, um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, as you can see as we go through this, are, are, are I mean, like healthy disrespect for authority, uh, you know, puked in his mouth a little bit. Uh, you know, there's a there's a certain comment theme going on where, like, you see here with Daniel, where, oh, wait a minute, I just realized what's happening, what's happening. Uh, there was one person in here, I can't seem to find it, that that uh, said they can't uh, tell if you're being sarcastic. So I just kind of wanted you to speak to the comment threads that are commenting after the fact that are just not accepting this new... Adam Kokesh. Mm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of a, a loss for words. I, I, you know, I just, from my time as a libertarian, I can say that in that uh, den of thieves and miscreants and, and punks and losers, uh, you know, we, we see online subversive efforts in, in social media that occasionally can have an impact. Uh, you know, fortunately, between the social media censors, the mainstream media, and government troll farms, we're able to counteract most of what they have to say and render them irrelevant, but occasionally uh, the, 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 the these people, if you can call them that, are are capable of, of sort of, uh, you know, at least having a limited presence here or there, and so <clears throat> I, I would uh, just, you know, dismiss the majority, oh, first of all, I mean, the majority of comments on, on the internet uh are our astroturf, so to speak, one way or another, uh, and and I would just kind of you know, dismiss all those comments out of hand. All right, first news story. You want to pull it up, shall we? 
Give me a cue. Let's get it on screen. From MarijuanaMoment.net, DEA seeks contractor capable of burning four tons of marijuana per day. And when I, when I see a story like this, I, I'm just, uh, I have a lot of mixed emotions. Uh, I mean, not mixed. I, I guess it's really like just positive, complimentary emotions. Uh, I am so grateful to see that uh, the, the, right now a lot of people have this false idea that the drug war is coming to an end. And it's kind of an interesting political dilemma that we find ourselves in today where a significant portion of the population uh, wants uh, there to be no control. Of, of what's out there and no, no one to tell you what's safe and what isn't. And I'm, I'm very confident that, that this is going to pass. Uh, and, and right now our, our government is doing, in the United States at least, uh, a pretty good job of, of just sort of like barely creating the illusion of, of legality with cannabis while increasing the number of drug arrests. And, and this, you can look up the statistics for yourself. We've covered the story before where despite the increase in states that nominally say, oh, we have legal medical cannabis or uh, legalized recreational cannabis, uh, the number of drug arrests for, for cannabis overall nationally are still going up. And, and just to, to reinforce that narrative, I, I, I would share you this story with you that is so encouraging. A DEA seeks contractor capable of burning four tons of marijuana per day. The Drug Enforcement Administration recently reached out for help burning at least 1,000 pounds of marijuana per hour for eight hours straight. Every year, DEA seizes millions of marijuana plants and literal tons of raw cannabis, which eventually end up being destroyed. The successful contractor in Arizona would be responsible for burning marijuana and other controlled substances seizes evidence in drug cases to a point where there are no detectable levels as measured by standard analytical methods of byproduct from the destruction process. You know, seeing as, uh, you know, I, I live in Arizona myself, I think this would be something I, I'd be interested in pursuing as a government contract. Um, I think that it, it would be an incredible way to serve, uh, serve my country to help get these drugs off the streets. And one of the reasons this is so important, and, and we talked about this even just yesterday, uh, that, that cannabis really is a dangerous drug. It, it, you know, obviously, we know that it makes white women want black men, and there's, um, well, I'll, I'll just, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I mean, you can, you can go back and watch, uh, you know, some of the early, although problematic films like, uh, like Reefer Madness, and, and, you know, I, I, the, the, our understanding of the dangers of this plant have, advanced since then uh, to a certain degree. But what's really important to keep in mind is that cannabis uh, or marijuana or pot or dope is, is really insidious because it, it, it kind of tricks you into thinking that it, it's harmless. Uh, it, 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 it tricks you into thinking that it has medical benefits. But what it does to your mind is, is really so destructive because it creates a kind of relaxed, open state. And you think that that's what you're in, that you're just better able to, to 
to accept information and, and to, uh, you know, see the reality uh, of what's going on in, in a way that you aren't without it. But what it's really doing is creating that illusion while making you more rebellious, making you actually directly question authority. And I mean, I, I could go on and on about all the negative problems with that, right? You know, that if you question authority, next thing you know, you've got riots in the streets. You've got people doing whatever drugs they want. You've got, you know, people dying on the sidewalks, rampant homelessness, all these things. I mean, you can't let people make these decisions for themselves. This is why we have the FDA. I mean, we need government to tell us what drugs are safe. And, you know, with DEA versus FDA, you know, I, I think they really should be combined into one super agency so that we have a, a, a unified system of controlling any sort of, uh, you know, material danger to, to the human body or, or mind. And the government can, can keep all these dangerous substances uh, out of Americans' hands. So uh, back to the story. Uh, DEA shall inspect the incinerator to ensure no drug residue remains. Yeah, looking at some of the comments here, I think there were some punks who were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to burn that pot and smoke it myself. <laughs> right. As if you could get away with that. DEA posted the work description earlier this month in what's called the Sources Sought Notice, an initial step before a formal request for proposals of sent. Uh, and the post says this is not a request. This is not a request for proposals and does not obligate the government to award a contract. The DEA is conducting market research and encouraging all businesses, including small businesses, to respond to this notice. So, you know, I would just, if, if you have a chance to, uh, to call your congressman, uh, you know, and, and, and tell them uh, that, that you support this to make sure that this goes through. Uh, you know, tell them that you want you want to see uh, you want to see government burn all the marijuanas. I want to see government burn all the marijuanas. Get rid of them all. Uh, incinerate them. So uh, there's an accompanying statement of work. I think it's a behind the scenes look. I'm sorry, I got to go back and, and, and complete the thought here. Uh, if, if, if you have an opportunity to call uh, a member of Congress or, or especially now in this last week before the election when voters are especially, especially, you know, connected with our political leaders and they're getting out and they're campaigning and meet people face to face, you know, let them know that you support this, that, that, uh, that you want to make sure that, 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 that uh, despite the false rhetoric of, of legalization, and, uh, of, of medical and, and recreational cannabis that uh, that we see this can, the drug war continue to actually escalate overall. So, uh, you know, eventually we can, we can win the war on drugs. Uh, drugs are going to lose. And this is uh, I mean, the reason this is, oh, and, and, and if, if you want to contact the DEA, of course, you know, fan mail, just letters of support, I, I'm sure, uh, you know, if, if they see that people are watching this and they know they have the public support behind them, they're going to be that much more uh, unabashed in, in exercising their authority to burn all the marijuanas. And I really want to see that happen. So I hope, I hope you'll, you'll at least lend your voice uh, to the drug war so that, so that it can be won and done. And I just I, I think this is a really important story to every, for everyone to take note of that uh, despite this illusion that politicians have to put out now of, of drug legalization, 
government is still strong. Government is still doing a great job of keeping us safe and making sure that, that the only food and drugs available to us are ones that are government approved. All right, our next story uh, from popculture.com. 60 Minutes anchor Leslie Stahl's family gets death threat following controversial Donald Trump interview. CBS's Leslie Stahl now has around-the-clock security after she and her family received death threats following her controversial 60-minute interview, 60 Minutes interview with President Donald Trump. Broadcast on the network Sunday, that interview gained attention in the days leading up to its airing after the president walked out and criticized Stahl publicly on Twitter stating that the interview was fake and biased. Uh, according to law enforcement sources and multiple other sources who spoke to TMZ, a death threat call was reported to LAPD right now. I, I don't want to get too far into this, this sordid story, uh, but I, I do want to point out that, uh, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're a Trump supporter, and uh, they're – I mean, I just want to take this opportunity to condemn Leslie Stahl. I mean, this is what what she did was just absolutely shameful. And in some countries, you get beheaded for doing what she did. And she should be grateful that she lives in America, where you know it, it, at least we have uh, a compassion for traitors like her. Who uh, you know the, the, had a so anyway just I'll, I'll I'll say this much about or read this much about the interview the Sunday night segment featured a contentious back and forth between Stahl and Trump as the anchor pressed the president on a number of issues including the coronavirus pandemic his statements regarding suburban women and his comments regarding fake news it was the latter topic that eventually prompted Trump to walk out of the interview accusing Stahl of asking his Democratic opponent. Joe Biden softball questions while giving him harder ones, stating, I think we have enough of an interview here. That's enough. Let's go. Trump left the interview and did not return for a joint interview with Vice President Mike Pence or the scheduled walk around the White House grounds. Now, I just, I, two other things I got, I got to point out in, in analysis of this story is what a great job Trump did in handling this. Uh, it really shows what compassionate humane leadership we have in America today. Uh, that, that, I mean, he could have he could have ordered a shot for treason. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I know it's been a while, but technically, legally, he was he would be well within the authority of the presidency to order at least immediately locked up, if not executed. Uh, you know, we are in a, in a national emergency right now. Um, technically, we are still in a state of war. Uh, with the global war on terror. And when, when someone pulls something like this, I, I would certainly understand, you know, why they would want to do that. And that's why, and, and so the other thing I'll point out here is that that's why Trump supporters want to do that. Uh, and, and, I, and I understand that, that maybe the average Trump supporter can't live up to uh, the, the comp- level of compassion that we have in, in, in our great president today, uh, Donald Trump. But this is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good to see that the sentiment is clear, that uh, America will not tolerate traitors like CBS's Leslie Stahl anymore. So, um, let's see, I think we get to uh, one more news story and some comments. Uh, we, let's do comments. Okay, our guest is ready, so let's, let's, let's get to them on time and do comments first. Jim, 
Come in, Jim. What do you got for us? Any, anybody helping out in the, uh, the, the, the this final decision for 2020? No, I haven't come across anyone yet that's ready. A um, couple of people are agreeing with you that the burning all the marijuanas would help with the drug war. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy hopes you're wearing shorts. <laughs> no, I'm wearing a full suit. I don't. I just, that would be silly. I don't know why they would even suggest that. Uh, empty matter, ban the reefer. Magic Dragon has puffed its last puff. Well, we still got a ways to go, but yes, we're, we'll get there. We'll get there. Somebody, Angela Cook, I suppose, is still confused because she's hoping you're satire. So I guess we have a live viewer like uh, CJ brought up last time. Well, I, I think you really just need to listen directly to the words coming out of my mouth and, and hear the truth ring true with you. And, and you'll understand what we're doing here, and you'll see that this is the truthiest version uh, of any media production I've ever done. This, uh, I'm a status. I guess this is a, a suggestion of who you should vote for. I don't know if it's possible, but he says Adam should contact the great patriot George Soros, get another ballot, and vote for both, simple and patriotic. <clears throat> well, I mean, uh, it's tempting. It's, te uh, it's really tempting because then, then I, yeah. Uh, but no, that would, I, I mean, it, it's tempting because then. I could say, no matter who wins, I voted for the winner. And, and you know, that's half the point of voting, right? But uh, if I'm going to vote, it, 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 that would be illegal. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't encourage people to break the law uh, in any way. I wouldn't. I, but that, that's a, it's a fun little thought exercise. I guess. But, no, that doesn't I, – I mean, I guess that would – so far, that's the leading comment in our contest today in helping decide should we go – should I should I be voting for – uh, you know, Trump or Biden. So, uh, yeah, they, they, that's, that, that is a, it's a good, clever answer. Absolutely. Well, that's the person that has won, uh, the, won the contest three different times. Even the last time, he said he was going to email me to get access to the Producers Club, but he has yet to. So, Well, hopefully uh, the, the new format or, or uh, you know, editorial angle for the show uh, will provide him with the inspiration that it, it has, has given to everybody else in the Producers Club and, and in our core team. Yeah. Uh, Philip Anderson is, is making a bold move today. I'm turning myself in for all the pot I'm on today. I should be ashamed of myself for not pursuing medicine from Big Pharma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's that's a little specific. I, of course, I'm not going to comment on, on anybody's individual situation, but, uh, you know, it, just like uh, Catholics have the tradition of confessional, uh, we as U.S. citizens really need to develop a, a similar culture of confession to government and, and taking responsibility for our crimes. And um, I'm grateful for anybody promoting that. Okay, Ben Heckman suggests Joe Biden is better than Trump because he'll actually start a new war, which will be great for the economy. <clears throat> hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I you th- that's that's an interesting way of looking at, at at this because Donald Trump has done a great job of increasing militarism while pretending to be non-interventionist, which is of course a, a silly isolationist ideal. But yeah, which which one would be better at deploying the military to move us to a more unified humanity? Ah, oh, that's that's a tough call. You know, Ben, I think you're going to have to follow up. And if, if Ben Ben could take the lead on this one, if if, if he gives us a good follow up comment to to back that up, you know, real, you know, a, a few senses analysis of. Trump's ability to increase militarism in the service of humanity versus Biden's. Make sense? Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, Philip Anderson says, Adam, considering how intelligent you are, I am more than positive that you can burn more canna than any other contractor. You have my vote. Ah, thank you. If only it was – well, uh, fortunately, we don't have to vote on these things. We don't have like, – this is the thing about, like, a free market is, is, is this – you know, silly ideal that I mean, this is the, I should say the danger. This is the danger of an unfettered free market is that everybody gets to vote with their dollars continuously, and that means that your burden of thinking for yourself is so high that there's no way you can handle it. You go crazy. So this is why we need the authorities to take over certain functions of society so that we don't have to think about them. Unfortunately. Hiring a contractor to, to to get this cannabis and drug disposal deal with the DEA is not subject to a popular vote, but but I appreciate your support. You know what would be uh, more helpful if, if you wanted to help me get this contract, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk offline later. Would be to uh, you know have dinner with a politician uh, and and slip him some money under the table, or you know threaten someone at the DEA. Uh, you know, you know, nothing illegal. I would never do it. Just we're, we're within the lines of what you can legally do, of course. But you know, that that's how uh, these contracts are awarded. And when, when you know, anyway. All right, so let's get to our guest today. This is this is very exciting. Our guest today is Aria Dimezzo, and uh, they made headlines earlier this year as a transgender satanic anarchist. Uh, running for sheriff in New Hampshire and winning the Republican nomination. Uh, uh, they even got an article on Snopes.com about this because a lot of people doubted the headlines. And the headline on Snopes is a giant middle finger to the entire system. Trans anarchist Satanist runs for sheriff now, Aria, uh, given who you are, you're, you're very brave for coming on the show. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. So, so is, is this correct? You, you identify as a transgender anarchist Satanist? That is correct, yes. Have you looked into conversion therapy? <laughs> I I have not personal. Um, I you know I've seen that sort of thing and how it generally works out and it doesn't work out very well as it turns out. So uh, you know I'm happy with who I am and what I am. Uh, I did convert. I went through conversion therapy from Christianity to Satanism. So maybe that counts. Hmm. Uh. Well, tell us about that. T- tell us about that transformation, if you would, please. 
Well, it was a very long one, obviously. No one just goes from being a Christian to being a Satanist overnight. So I just sort of fell out of touch with Christianity as I was growing up. And ultimately, I became, I, I explored a number of religions and alternative religions like uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Wicca, and none of them really seemed right with me. I was still caught up in the belief that there is some sort of higher power in the universe and that, you know, Christianity was just leading me to the wrong one. Ultimately, I realized I was looking for something that was I became an atheist and I discovered that the best way to actually push back against the Puritanism and the Christian stronghold that is the United States is through Satanism, which ultimately is just adversarialism. And the adversary of the day would oppose the state because the state is the largest religion in the world right now. Well, as, as long as you're still with an organized religion, I think that's good. You know, and, and, and as, as much as I might have a problem with certain elements of Satanism, at least you have uh, a collective and, and an authority structure there around this you know, church. So I think, well, I think that's great. But what, what you're doing with this race uh, really is incredibly anti-American and irresponsible. Uh, you know what we're, what we're, I want to I want to make my position clear here and and, and and you know give you a chance to respond and, and just expose how uh, irresponsible and ridiculous what you're proposing here is. But we're talking about running for sheriff as a Republican, and the sheriffs of the United States are critical as a function of government in in keeping the American people safe. And you know if if you're a middle finger to the entire system. Uh, what you're saying is that not only is none of this legitimate, but that you don't take it seriously. And for the American people, I'm, I'm just I'm glad that uh, there's been such a strong uh, negative response to your campaign, and people are seeing that, uh, that that you're basically just a punk looking for attention. Well, there really hasn't been a lot of negative attention uh, to me or to the campaign because hatred isn't very motivating for people. If someone sees the headlines or they read an article about me and they hate me, it's not going to motivate them to actually look me up, to go to my website, to shoot me an email or to look me up on Facebook. Or Some people have even looked up my address, but it was all to send me positive communications, not negative ones. Hold on. No, that's not fair. Now, I think you're really whitewashing things here because you had your car vandalized with uh, a, a graphic uh, slanderous message, and and I think it's worth pointing out that, that there are people here who, who said uh, that they don't want you in in New Hampshire. They don't want you uh, to be a to, to have any position of authority. They they want you to uh, you know to get in line with the, the the way the rest of us are in society. They want you to uh, to get healthy. Uh, so no, I that this is true, correct? That you're uh, you had graffiti on your uh, vehicle uh, that that actually had. Uh, a homophobic slur. I'll just leave it at that. Whatever you want to say about that. I did, but the the timing of it is such I'm not convinced it was related to the campaign. This happened while I was at work the night that the news went viral, the night that Fox News covered it, and then it just went national and then international. So unless they were just sitting there glued to their phones watching the news come in, I don't honestly believe it was related to my campaign at all. It was just um, yeah, transphobic to make a statement. I think I think it's probably just coincidental. I don't see any reason to believe that it was related. Have Have you been able to gain any kind of meaningful traction or support for this campaign? And and do you have any kind of serious policy proposals? 
I absolutely do. And I have absolutely gained what appears to be a fair amount of traction. Of course, I won't know until next Tuesday. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. But uh, by and large, people on the streets, they congratulate me. They tell me they're going to vote for me. When I go into a convenience store, they tell me they support me. They're going to vote for me. So the word here on the ground in Cheshire County is that the the Democrats overwhelmingly support me. It's It's very hard to say. Because you don't see Eli Rivera sign in any of these yards. Eli Rivera is the current incumbent candidate for the Democratic Party for the same office. None of his signs are in any of the yards that have Biden-Harris signs in them. So I've, it's hard to predict where these people actually stand, but I'm interested in finding out. And I do have policies. Uh, the number one thing I will do if when I win the election is creating new policy the deputies can either sit in the office and wait for a crime to be reported where there is an actual victim or they can go out and police the police or they can quit those are the those are their options but as far as this actually going out and policing people no that if we want to actually prevent crime then we have to look at where the crime is occurring and the crime is being committed by and large by the police yeah, no, that really makes any sense. But speaking of your opponent, Democrat Eli Rivera, uh, is uh, Eli Rivera the, the the reason you have been able to sneak in and, and pull this off essentially is that uh, in in your county in New Hampshire, uh, Eli Rivera, the current sheriff, uh, elected Democrat, is so effective and so popular that the Republicans didn't organize a serious campaign and you were able to sneak in. Uh, and and I, I think that it just it shows you, you have no chance of winning or even making an impact. Uh, you, you might get your, you know, your, your punk statement out there, but uh, Eli Rivera is, is such an effective sheriff and has so much love and support from the people there, uh, you know, that, that no one wants to run against him except you. Uh, that, that he is the law and order candidate in this race, and uh, you know I have absolute confidence that he's going to win re-election. So uh, your response? Well, he is definitely the law and order candidate in this election. Uh, there, there's no doubt of that. Uh, the Republicans normally do run a serious. Well, I'm a serious candidate as well. They do normally run a candidate uh, named Earl Nelson, but he didn't run this year because he was recovering from cancer. You know, glad he's okay, but he didn't run this year, so I filed in his place. As to him being the one order candidate, that's absolutely true. I don't think he's doing a very good job, and I don't think he's actually got a lot of support from people. He's very well known within the elites of the Democratic Party, you know, the, the type who show up for the Democratic Party meetings and all of that. But the actual Democratic voters, they know that I'm to the left of him. So the, the progressives, the young ones, the liberals, because Cheshire County is a liberal stronghold in New Hampshire, as is the city of Keene, which is where I live. Very democratic, very progressive, very, very left leaning. So if you have a candidate who's to the left of the democratic candidate, I suspect a lot of these people who are actual leftists will vote for me for those reasons. They may still now, vote for Rivera. They may just vote. They may just vote straight of, ticket. It's hard to say. Right, and that gets to one of the things that you've been uh, trying to point out here. And, and I, you know, I do want to say I, I agree with it. There is one thing um, that that uh, that I agree with you here in in pointing out with your campaign. I do, I do. This is one of the reasons I want to interview. I mean, really, the only reason aside from being able to put you in your place uh, is that 
you have repeatedly said that the reason you were able to win this nomination was because old party voters, Republicans and Democrats, uh, they they vote straight ticket, they vote without thinking, they vote without question. And I, I think that's that's absolutely true. We have, we have straight ticket voting in a lot of states where, and this is, the, by the way, important public service announcement here, uh, and this will keep you from throwing any of your votes away if you make mistakes as you're voting next week, as you go down the ballot. If you're lucky enough to live in one of these states that has straight ticket voting, you can just check a box at the top that says all Republicans or all Democrats, and then there's no chance that you might accidentally vote uh, for a libertarian uh, or, or someone who doesn't deserve your vote with another, you know, an independent or someone else uh, on a down ticket race. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I take the opposite interpretation of this, Aria, in that, that we need more of that. We need to strengthen the parties. We need to make sure that you can vote uh, and we need to get straight ticket voting in, in the rest of the state. Funnily enough, New Hampshire used to have straight ticket voting, but they got rid of it in 2007. And just recently, the idea began circulating again that, hey, maybe we need to bring this back in full disregard of, you know, what just happened with me winning the Republican nomination. Whether people just fill in one circle or they fill in 20 circles, it really doesn't make a huge difference. They're not thinking for themselves. They're just voting for whoever is there, voting based on the letter next to a person's name. And that's dangerously reckless. You know, that's how you get people in California and Arkansas and Texas who who are completely and totally ignorant about the people who are voting for determining who gets to rule my life here in New Hampshire. And I oppose that system. But, yes, I did. I did expect to win, but I didn't expect to win by four thousand votes. So you describe yourself as an anarcho-capitalist, which. Sounds like a bit of an oxymoron and, and kind of too extreme, uh, absurd, idealistic terms. Doesn't that discredit you as someone seeking public office? If you're if you, if you identify as an anarchist and say, "Well, I'm, I'm going to take on this government power," and, and I, wouldn't that result in uh, the people in in your district or your county saying, "No, can't trust this person." Well, it's been a few years since I called myself an anarcho-capitalist. Uh, I prefer just anarchist or voluntarist now, which is that I believe all interactions should be done with the informed consent of all involved parties. So I choose to say I'm a voluntarist now. And, of course, we have the state apparatus in place, and there's nothing voluntary about it. So there is absolutely a level of contradiction between being a voluntarist and working for this system that perpetuates – the need to engage in involuntary interruptions with the state. But I can't really do any good. There would be no chance of winning if I actually stuck to my principles. It was like, look, if I was made sheriff, I'm going to abolish the entire department and privatize it. That that would not be very helpful. I mean, the, the police in the United States, they're out there committing actual aggression. They're kidnapping people. They're extorting people. They're murdering people. And the best position to do anything about that is the sheriff's office. You know, you had these city councils who are arguing that, oh, we need to defund the police. Yeah, maybe, but you're never going to actually do it. However, the sheriff's departments throughout the United States, but especially here in New England, where a lot of the law is inherited from you know, England, the sheriff is the highest law enforcement official in the county. So the sheriff is legally authorized to get out there and impede police officers as they're conducting their BS investigations. If they see someone pulling – if they see a police officer pulling someone over for a broken taillight and then 
getting out a canine unit and searching their vehicle, these sheriff's departments are the only ones who can do anything about that. If we see someone selling loose cigarettes and we see the police has, harassing them and putting them in strangleholds, the sheriff's department can actually interfere with that and place the police officers under arrest. They are legally authorized to do so. So that's the most that can be done right now to rein in the police is to get sheriffs out there who want to actually police the police. So one of the uh, by the way, I, I'm with you on the same page there, at least in, in one sense there, is that I want a stronger police force that the uh, that the people have more confidence in, that the people are less likely to question, although I wouldn't say this is the way to go about it. Now, there's an article in Boston, on, uh, Boston Globe, uh, how a transsexual Satanist anarchist trolled New Hampshire voters, Aria DeMetzel laid a trap for Republican voters in Cheshire County, and they walked right into it. And there's even uh, a quote from you here. You tell me first if this is accurate. Uh, quote, a lot of people are telling me I need to take this more seriously. If I had taken it more seriously, I wouldn't have won the nomination. Leave the trolling to the pros. Is that a correct quote? That is. I mean, trolling wasn't so you, the goal when I set out to so do you, this. You know, that was incidental. So you reveal that here that you're just trolling. That you're, you're, so I'll give, I'll give you the platform. Let's have it out here, Aria. What is... And what's your bigger message here? What, what, as, a, as a troll, what are, what are you – and I want, I want my viewers to be able to look at this, at, 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 at this person here uh, as someone who obviously has some delusions and, and derangements and really is just out of touch with reality entirely. And, and, and take that as context. For what you're about to hear, Aria, what is your message as a troll? My message as a troll, I, I don't really have one. You know, I have a message that I want to get out there, the message of pro-freedom, pro-liberty, getting abolished the government, seeing from the United States, and, and living in peace and volunteerism among, with our fellow human beings, living in private contracts and, you know, free markets. That's the message I want to get out there. Trolling was not the intention. You know, the opportunity was there because Republicans were very angry when they realized who they had just made their sheriff candidate. And I thought about it for a little bit, thinking, you know, this isn't my fault that they didn't research me. And that idea just sort of sat in the back of my mind as they became angrier and angrier on Facebook in their little Facebook groups until finally I realized, you know what? It, this is important. This is their fault, and they need to take responsibility for it. So trolling wasn't the goal here. Trolling was just a means to an end, and it wasn't even intentional. They didn't. I didn't set a trap for them. They just blindly wandered off a cliff, and I happened to be at the bottom. So one of the things that I have to frame this with for the benefit of my audience uh, about uh, just how out of touch with reality our guest is. And I just want to point out, I, I want to do everything I can to discredit this message. This is absolute insanity. And the, the, the Boston Globe article also says, she ran for sheriff as a libertarian two years ago and for city council last year with a platform to legalize magic mushrooms and eat the rich. So we're talking about cannibalism here. Uh, and for this year's campaign for sheriff, her lawn signs clearly feature the anarchist symbol of an A inside a circle, as well as the phrase F the police. And I, I said this uh, earlier in, in, in the tease to this interview uh, on today's show. Uh, uh, CJ, get that off the screen. Get that off the screen. I don't want people to No, just it's, that's enough. That's fine. Um, this, 
you know, it's it's F star, 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 the police. And, and if, if anyone in our audience is lucky enough to not know what uh, what Ari is trying to say with that, you know, good for you for having a clean mind. Uh, but for those who, who do know uh, what, what Ari is trying to say, uh, I apologize for invoking that language as, as, as this campaign does. So, um, you know, another quote here. Uh, plus, I'm a six-foot-tall tranny with bright red hair and tattoos who drives around town in a red convertible. I'm very hard to forget. Uh, are, are people in your community, uh, you know, reaching out to to help you uh, at least get on board with uh, what a Republican is supposed to look like and, and sound like? No, the Republican party here in cheshire county has been surprisingly non-commenting on my sheriff candidacy as is the democratic party they're all just refusing to comment but i've actually challenged marilyn huston who is the chair of the cheshire county republican committee to please explain to me exactly what i'm saying that is not 100 percent in line with republican values i'm pro-gun I'm pro-Second Amendment, I'm pro-small government, and I'm pro-low taxes. I take that a little bit further than most Republicans to the point of no government, no all guns, but that's not necessarily in disagreement with the Republican platform. So maybe I take things a little bit further than they do, but if they actually believed in gun rights and small government and low taxes, then they would be standing behind me. Of course, they don't believe those things, which is why they're refusing to comment because the comment they made about me would reveal them for being the hypocrites that they are. Well, I, I mean, it's sort of like a more of an, an, an open secret, Aria, and frankly, you're ruining this. Uh, yeah, good. The point, the point of running for office as a Republican is to, to give lip service to small government and then be able to, to still, you know, with a more authoritarian spirit, grow government. And, you know, I mean, it, 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 this is like... Uh, you know, when, when someone, if you know someone who has a very small penis and you make fun of them for it, you know, they're like that, 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 that's not appropriate. You know, that's not something that you're supposed to, it's not a humane thing to do. And, and that's essentially what you're doing to the Republican Party there. I, 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 can't, uh, I can't support this. But, you know, I, I want to go back and, and give people a little bit of a more, more of an insight uh, to your background here. You, you moved to Keene, New Hampshire from Mississippi two years ago, and uh, I've, I've been to Keene. Uh, here it's described as, uh, it says, drawn by a loose collective of libertarian activists known as Free Keene. Demetso has been hard to miss. She ran for sheriff as a libertarian two years ago. Uh, and, uh, there was, and then the uh, thing about legalized magic mushrooms and eat the rich. But the uh, loose collective of libertarian activists uh, in Free Keene, I mean, this is... I, I've, I've met these losers, and, and they, you know, they said they're going to change things in Keene, and that they, you know, if they concentrate in one area, they can actually change government policy. And I would say that, you know, what they call the uh, you know, free state project has been pretty much a failure. Uh, government in, in New Hampshire has continued to grow. Um, but uh, what, tell us at least a little bit, if you would, please, about your experience uh, going from uh, Mississippi to, uh, to Keene, New Hampshire, please. Sure. Well, I started my transition in Mississippi, and I came to the Porcupine Freedom Festival in 2017, and it was the first time that I just felt, you know, accepted and welcome among a crowd of people. I was immediately sold on New Hampshire. Of course, then 
I didn't know anything about Free King. I hadn't even heard of the Free State Project, had no idea who that is. And they still don't like me very much because it turns out that, you know, they just want to be the the Rand Paul type of libertarian. They don't want to actually be the fire and brimstone in time to burn down the state type of libertarian like we are here in Free King. The, the, the quote, loose collective of people who associate with Free Keen, we want to actually dismantle the government. The Free State Project seems to just want to get into the government to be Gary Johnson's. Gary Johnson's all people who actually maybe maybe they're classical liberals deep down inside, but by and large, there's not much that's actually libertarian about them. But the experience has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, New Hampshire is the best place I've ever lived, and I've lived through a lot of places in the United States including Las Vegas. So it's like I went from one of the hottest states in the United States to one of the coldest. But New Hampshire is a wonderful state. It's a beautiful state. Keene is absolutely the base, excuse me, the place to be if you want to actually do something on the to dismantle because this is this is crypto mecca. If you're into Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, this is where you should be because we have the highest number of businesses per capita accepting cryptocurrency as payment as if I may be mistaken, anywhere else in the world. So we're actually taking steps here to actually distribute Bitcoin, to actually get businesses accepting Bitcoin, to get us away from the USD, the war dollar, the one that the government uses to drop bombs on people all around the world and to militarize the police into a currency that they can't control and that they can't inflate. And in the long run, they wouldn't be able to pay for the militarization of police or dropping the bombs, the fighter jets or the nuclear weapons or any of this other nonsense because they can't inflate Monero. They can't inflate Bitcoin. So what would you say is is the summation of your, your worldview, your ideology, Arya? That we have been taken over by warlords, and we've been ruled by warlords for a very, very, very long time. So long that they've worked out this perfect system to keeping us from realizing that they're warlords. They've created this entire mythology, this entire religious system around their ruling us. People buy into it. If you go into a courtroom, you see the exact same imagery that you would see in a church. You have your pews. You have your robed man in front who's preaching down from the pulpit. You have religious idolatry all over the walls. You've got the flag. You've got symbols. You've got emblems. You've got, you've got hymns. You've got prayers. You've got pledges of allegiance. It's just a religion. And it causes people to forget the reality of what they're actually dealing with. That same religious system, it, it pervades what they understand the police to be. They don't recognize, they think of police as being these honorable, upstanding people who are out there trying to help or who are trying to help the people. But in reality, the police are just road pirates. They're not arresting people. They're kidnapping people. They're not ticketing people. They're extorting people. But the mythology of the state is so powerful that they don't realize that they per- we persist in a constant state of cognitive dissonance, not being able to see the world that we actually live in. A lot of people want to call me delusional, but they're looking at the police kidnapping people and murdering people, and they're calling it society and law and order and civilization, and there's nothing civilized or lawful or ordered about any of this. That is the summary of Well, Ari, I want to thank you for taking the time this morning to come on our show and discredit this worldview thoroughly and and expose the ridiculousness of these ideas. One other quote of yours I want to share from the Boston Globe article. I don't expect to win, and if I do, I suspect that the deputies will quit as soon as I'm sworn in. If not, I'm going to give them three options. 
You can stay at the station and play Xbox. You can go out and police the police, or you can go home. So uh, we're talking about the the chaos candidate, obviously, here. Uh, Ari, again, I, I do appreciate you taking the time and, and allowing for the examination of, of your ideas. Uh, any, any final thoughts? No, I'm just glad to be on, and I hope people consider what I've said today about the religious nature of the state, because that's where we that's where we have to strike. We have to shake people out of the to make them face the world that we actually live in, and stop allowing them per, to persist in delusional naivety about what is actually going on. All right, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that was a very informative interview and got you a different perspective here. Before we go, we got a few more news stories to get to, uh, but before we do, let's check in with Comment Jim again. Any uh, any thoughts following up on on that? I think I think that was very productive. Uh, you know, I, I, as a foil, I'm really grateful that, uh, that that Aria was there at least to uh, you know to, to play the foil, to, to sort of play the devil's advocate in that conversation. Yeah, um, let's see. Lost it. Oh, yeah, RHSCTJ says this person needs Rush Limbaugh or Joel Osteen. Osteen, whatever. <clears throat> well, you know, I, again, I, I just uh, hope that the uh, the community now, that they, they see what a deranged individual they have there in, in Key, New Hampshire, that they, uh, they, they reach out with help and rehabilitation. I'm a status says she had the same idea I had, but she did it first before I took to the light of statism. The sheriff is the only constitutional law enforcement. Right. And I, I mean, that's what makes this such a, you know, a, a dangerous a sort of loophole that we have allowed to continue in the system. And again, the answer strengthen the Republican Party where uh, or the Democratic Party, where they're so weak that they they are running candidates unopposed, and we we lose uh, the healthy debate that we have uh, going on in this country. I mean, it really is. If, if you step back and look at the overall debate between Democrats and Republicans, the political process is absolutely essential for America to have this conversation. Uh, about how we move forward as a country in lockstep. We learn so much. We get so much confidence and authority from seeing a Republican debate a Democrat. And, you know, it's one thing to, to give someone like Aria, uh, you know, a platform for a few minutes here on Adam Loves the Man, but uh, absolutely got to keep people like that out of the bigger conversation and, and out of the debates. Uh, I'm a statist again. Says we can't legalize recreational uranium. That's lunacy. Yeah, uh, obviously. Thank you. Goes without saying. Uh, but any any comments? I did. Did anybody come up with any better reasons for me to support Trump or Biden this year? Nope, not one. And uh, uh, did did we get a follow up from Mr. Hector? Follow up. Nope. Oh. Follow up. All right. Well, then I would, I would put this to the rest of the audience because this is you know. Between Trump or Biden, and, and I would point out to you that of uh, Trump's eight vetoes as president, five of them were defending the military-industrial complex against an unwarranted and irresponsible attack that would weaken our nation from Congress limiting spending to the military. And so uh, I'm really grateful that, that, that Trump has been able to do that and uh, continue the, uh, the, the war in Yemen. And, you know, for all, all the other 
uh, interventionism that he's maintained. Uh, but there's still a lot of room for improvement there. There's still more he could do. And Biden, I, I don't, you know, obviously you can't get as good of a feel on him with foreign policy, but, you know, you look at his past statements and his, his general support for the global war on terror, uh, it could be that, that uh, with a, a, a better managerial approach, he might be able to better apply the levers of power to serve uh, American interests abroad with the military. So I, I put the question to the audience between Trump and Biden, uh, you know, which one is, is more, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say which one is more pro-militarism because they're both totally pro-militarism in spirit, right? Uh, and I, I, I don't want to judge these men uh, as leaders based on their rhetoric. I want to judge by, you know, what they actually, or, or their beliefs, but which one is going to be more effective as commander-in-chief? So uh, we're, we're giving away membership to the Producers Club today. Best comment answering that question could win it. Ned Kelly, if we let people like Aria DiMizzo be sheriff, what's next? Individuals getting to choose what they do with their own bodies, lives, and property? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm not worried about Aria. Uh, they're not going to win. And, uh, you know, it's, it, you, you, Aria wants you to think that that she represents a, 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 a loose thread, or that, that someone pulling at a loose thread on, on the sweater of authority, but it is a tightly woven security blanket around society that, that uh, is, no, people like that don't represent a threat to me. Okay, and lastly, Koi Shiano. War is good, don't you know? It allows the state to prosper. Well, you know, it's a temporary thing until we get to global government. Uh, yeah, I, I see the, you know, uh, the, the necessity of war. I don't mind uh, calling certain populations, if necessary, to advance authority and, and get us to uh, a state of global harmony. So, all right, Jim. Ben Heckman uh, did chime in one more time. Ben Heckman all right. chimed in. I think he basically said the same thing he said last time, though. He said Joe Biden is more likely to start a new war than Trump is based on the record of the Obama-Biden administration. Okay, okay, so, so he added the uh, the point about the Obama-Biden administration record. And that's a good point, that's a good point. Um, but I was hoping for a little more substance than that, I suppose. Uh, certainly, uh, it's worth pointing out uh, that, that Obama uh, really pulled off an incredible feat as president. He has killed more people with drone strikes, more terrorists, than than all other Nobel Peace Prize winners combined. And what, what he did that was so incredible was that he convinced uh, not just the Nobel Committee, but, but really a, a huge chunk of the world that, uh, that war is peace. That, you know, you can get a Nobel Peace Prize while increasing war. Because he is, what he was able to do was show that smartly applied military power, uh, and, and if you kill the right people you, and, and bomb the right populations in a submission, essentially, that you can make the world a more peaceful place. That's true.
Uh, we got one more guess for who you should vote for. Jimmy says you should vote for Biden because he loves black people. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Nah, I'm not going to stay. I'm not compelled. I'm not going to step into that political drama. Person now says you should vote Trump because he's a star. Uh, that's not. I mean, that's nice. I get the advantage of that, but that's. I'm not a. I'm not a single issue single issue voter. You know, like who's who's the most famous? Obviously, the sitting president is essentially the the most famous person in the world at any given time. So I'm. Uh, uh, he's a star. Meh. <clears throat> one one more nice thing about Trump. Asks, would Adam join Turkey in the fight? Join Turkey? Yeah, the country, I imagine. What fight? What's what's going on in Turkey? Did I miss something in the news today? Should I do a quick uh, Google news search for Turkey? Let's see. Let's see what comes up. Turkey's four deployed F-16s in Azerbaijan have moved to a new base. Turkey's finance minister rules out capital controls. Uh, Turkey U.S. consulate employees employ, uh, employee receives five-year jail term. Uh, Turkey's Erdogan urges French goods boycott among Islam row. Uh, no, I, 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 I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what that question still is referring to in terms of joining Turkey in the fight. I mean, there's a war going on. It's like big news, she says. Right, but when you say join Turkey in the fight, um, you know, like I assume you mean uh, Turkey's government. Um, And in that case, you know, I I certainly support the government of Turkey. But if they're doing something wrong in this, you know, I, I, you know, I I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't support it. And it seems like right now. Uh, a big part of this is has to do with uh, Emmanuel Macron and, and France's the uh, relationship with Turkey. And one of the headlines here is Turkey's Erdogan urges French goods boycott amid Islam row. So I, I don't know about that. Um, what, what, what do you know about the situation, Jim? Uh, nothing at all. I have, oh, okay. Uh, Ben Heckman says, fuck it, right in Kanye. Hey, you can't say that on the show, Jim. Can't oh, do that. I'm, I was just reading. Uh, it was a direct quote. Yeah, uh, CJ's going to have to bleep that out. I'll censor that. Okay. Yeah, no, it, it's, come on, man. Community guidelines. All right. Uh, all right, so let's get back to the news, and, and hopefully we'll have a few more comments about uh, Trump versus Biden uh, before we get to the end of the show today. All right, what do we have left here for headlines? From... CBS, New York, New York Police Department officer suspended without pay after being caught on video saying Trump 2020 over patrol cars loudspeaker. Now, this really, I think, is a critical story to helping the American people decide whether to vote for Trump or Biden. And and it is actually something that I'm considering as a significant push for me towards voting for Trump now, seeing that. Trump is the choice of the police. And remember, it is the thin blue line that protects society from the chaos of a world without that, without people looking out for our safety, without people enforcing the law. And when I see, uh, you know, an, an officer like this, and I know that, that they're, they're, they, they, they face these consequences, right? An NYPD officer suspended and under investigation after video surfaced of him saying Trump 2020 over a bullhorn while in a patrol car. 
Videos allegedly taken in Flatbush, Brooklyn, were posted on Twitter on Saturday night. Eric Jenkins Solomon captured a 30-second video from his apartment. He told CBS 2's Corey James he hit record when he heard police and someone near the crosswalk at Crook Avenue in St. Paul Place get into a confrontation around 10 p.m. Uh, quote, I heard someone say Trump 2020, and there's kind of some maybe low-key shouting back and forth. The NYPD's patrol guide bans on-duty or in-uniform officers from endorsing political candidates or publicly expressing personal views and opinions. I mean, this, and this is absolutely terrible. I, I think the, the, the heroes in America's police force need to be more politically uh, active and encouraged to use their time on-duty to tell the American people who we should be voting for. I mean, how else are we going to know? When, I, I want our politicians, I want our leaders to be more connected to law enforcement. I mean, if it were, if it were up to me, you know, I, I wouldn't even be against the idea of maybe saying that. An easier way to achieve what I'm suggesting here would be to say, let's only let the police vote. If you're not a cop, you don't get to vote. You know, I mean, it, I know this sounds like a crazy idea, but uh, – not only has this been done before, I mean, you remember at one point in the United States, it was uh, only white landowning males who were allowed to vote. So it, it's very reasonable to suggest that uh, only police should be allowed to vote in America. And obviously that would be great for law and order uh, and, and also great for the political process because politicians would be <clears throat> competing to serve police interests to make sure that they get the best funding, the, the best, uh, you know, the, the, the complete legal authority that they need to do their work without question, uh, the ability to, to handle in, in investigations internally without letting the media in on that, They're the ability to, you know, uh, clear themselves of wrongdoing when accused by the public. Uh, I think having a much more police-centric kind of political system uh, would be better for America and the world. Although I, I don't think, <clears throat> I, I, unfortunately, uh, most Americans aren't able to see the the, the glory uh, of of our heroes and in in, in our public servants in law enforcement in America. And actually, that makes them all the more heroic to to in, in that way stand against that uh, that misunderstanding about their importance and significance and and how. Well, I mean, the fact that police have qualified immunity is it's it's really. Uh, I mean, they deserve it, uh, frankly. When we say that the police are heroes, it's not just a, a vague general statement with, with no implications. When we say that police are heroes, we mean that they're better than pretty much everybody else. And that's true. And it's, it, it's really high time that, that society recognized that to the full extent. Because right now... You know, we, we really, we only kind of you know, respect that in terms of policy, you know, like 75%. Like I said, you know, things like qualified immunity and, and other special authorities that the police have to, uh, to sort of be exempt from the rules that apply to the rest of us. Um, and, and if we could just make that more consistent and strengthen that system. So, you know, again, um, you know, we, we, we have this, you know, right here, the thin blue line in the logo. And, and it's, it's very important, I think, for everybody who, who understands that police are heroes, that, that, that we really broadcast this message and, and, and bring the, the rest of the public onto our side 
to support the police. And while, uh, you know, asking for the system to change to uh, only letting police officers vote, I know it's not that that's extreme, but it is unlikely. That is a significant, uh, you know, increase in, in government power and a change in the system. I don't think it's it's really realistic to uh, expect that uh, anytime soon. But until then, at least, we can support officers like uh, like like uh, who is this? I want to I want to make sure I got uh, the, the name right of, of the officer. Um, does it actually have the name here? Um, let's see. I, oh, I guess it, it doesn't have it doesn't have the name of the actual officer in the story. Um, oh, I guess I guess we could pull we we could find this. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave it to you to, to, to find it yourself because he is suspended uh, and under investigation. And I think when, when, when a police officer takes the bold step of doing something like this, uh, of taking the initiative to tell us who to vote for, uh, we really need to reach out and, and, and support them. So, uh, you know, maybe find a GoFundMe or, or something like that or, or call the NYPD and, and tell them, that, uh, that this officer has your support, and if anything, we want to hear more from the police uh, about what they think in terms of uh, who we should vote for. All right, uh, our next story. 30 officers injured in protests after shooting of knife-wielding man by Philadelphia police. This is from ABC News. Officers say the man was waving a knife and moving toward them when he was shot. At least 30 police officers have been injured, and 33 people have been arrested as protests continued overnight in Philadelphia over the shooting death of a black man by police in West Philadelphia on Monday afternoon. The Philly Police Department confirmed that a 56-year-old female PPD sergeant was struck by a black pickup truck in the area of 52nd and Walnut Streets at approximately 12.44 a.m. on Tuesday morning. She was subsequently transported to a local area hospital where she is currently in stable condition with a broken leg and other injuries. And so, you know, again, if, if we don't make it clear that we support the police, if we don't get those flags with the thin blue lines, then, you know, there are real-world consequences here. <clears throat> you know, not only are officers being physically injured, but in a lot of these protests, uh, they're, they're, being, they're being yelled at. Uh, they're, they're being directly confronted verbally. They're being told things. Uh, they're, they're being subject to this kind of verbal abuse that, that really is inappropriate. Uh, and, and I want to make sure, again, that, that we can put this in perspective and, and again, you know, make sure that, that we protect this police power to use deadly force whenever they feel threatened. And, uh, you know, I really have to say these, these protests, uh, it, it, it really is, uh, I think, a measure of what's left of the rebellion in America. And I have no doubt that our, our heroic police officers and law enforcement overall, and again, I'm, I'm so grateful that we have these, uh, you know, massive black budgets in federal law enforcement where, you know, when there are, are protests like this, that, uh, that there are infiltrators that we're able to, you know, get in there and, and defuse a lot of these situations before any police officers get hurt. And I just, I, I want to say that while we're, while we're at this 
sort of interesting point in American history in 2020 when Americans are uh, d- debating police power uh, like never before. Uh, I-, I just hope that we come out of this with a greater appreciation for law enforcement and make sure that we strengthen their authority rather than, uh, you know, I, I, like we're, we're hearing all these calls to defund the police. And uh, I mean, that's absurd on its face. But I think by, by hearing that defund the police message, that uh, more Americans will realize that they have to come out and actively support our American heroes in law enforcement. All right. Uh, from Fox 5 New York, with coronavirus cases soaring, Newark reinstates curfew. The city of Newark has reinstated a curfew for non-essential businesses in an effort to prevent further spread of a second wave of the coronavirus. Beginning October 27, all stores except supermarkets, pharmacies, and gas stations must close at 8 p.m., announced Mayor Ross Baraka Monday. A day earlier, the largest city in the state had recorded 101 new cases, bringing the total to 10,087, more than any other municipality in Essex County combined. And again, one of the things revealed by this corona crisis is all of the places where government is too weak. We see that when, when government needs to enact curfews, the police don't really have enough authority to really enforce them. When, when the government needs to uh, declare lockdowns, that, you know, we, we still, we don't have enough surveillance. I mean, in Texas, uh, well, this is one of the stories that we covered, but this, I think, was happening all, all around the nation, really all around the world. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not in some countries where governments have their act together a little better than in the United States. I know that's hard to admit, but there, there are some countries, uh, there, there are, you know, uh, there are a few that are uh, more effective in, in their uh, use of, of the police force. And in, in the United States, what happened is that a lot of the salons that were shut down ended up going underground, literally running out of basements in people's homes. And if we had a stronger surveillance state, if we had a stronger police state, that never would have happened. I mean, think of how much safer we would be in that situation so that when government identifies a threat like the coronavirus and, you know, the, 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 the brilliant human servants uh, at, at uh, public servants at the uh, World Health Organization, uh, what, what they're able to do is when, when they identify a threat, uh, imagine how much better we would be able to respond to to a threat like this if the surveillance state really, not, if, if the U.S. government not only, you know, knows where we are at all times. Um, and, and I think, again, one, one of the greatest things about the you know, smartphone technology is that it, it basically it puts a surveillance device in your pocket. It connects, I mean, this is like your direct lifeline to government in so many ways. One of the things I love, about having a smartphone is that I get government uh, text messages. I get I get I get alerts from uh, from from you know about extreme weather warnings and uh, when there or kids kidnapped. You know the, the the Amber alerts in my area. But I, I'm I'm most grateful for see not most I'm actually I'm more grateful that I, I'm also able to uh, to be accessible to politicians directly. I mean it's like you know politicians in your pocket. I get I get a lot of texts, um, you know. And again, it, it hasn't helped uh, sway me yet, but I am. Uh, I, I'm, you know. Again, it's just it's, it's one of these beautiful things about the world we live in today 
that if you have a cell phone, your number is, is basically out there. Uh, and I don't want to say it's public, and that would be that, that might be a bad thing if everybody had access to everybody's number. You know, uh, plenty of exes might be having fun with that. But it, at least it, the, the major corporate interests in America, uh, the banks and the political parties have access to these huge databases of phone numbers, and they're able to connect with people directly. But that which I am most appreciative about with having a cell phone today is that it's like it, it really is, uh, it, 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 it comes with an umbilical cord to government. And, and that is just, it makes me feel, <clears throat> makes me feel nourished to know that, uh, I mean, at any time without even telling me, um, and I, I would assume the essay is kind of doing this continuously for every American. Uh, but recording uh, at least the background audio, you know, it's like Alexa in your house or, or the uh, the dot, you know, where you have, uh, you know, one of these smart devices that, that connects you uh, to the Internet. Because when you say, uh, you know, hey, Siri or hey, Alexa or, or whatever, you know, your, your digital assistant is, uh, there, it's got that passive listening going on constantly. And uh, the government has that same capability. And it just, again, it gives me this incredible feeling of security. But another amazing thing with this is the geolocation, that, that uh, they, they can track where you are and, and know where you are at any time. And, you know, there, there are some people who, who don't like this, who are, who are, are looking for ways out, uh, and, and, you know, shame on people like John McAfee for, for trying to create uh, these mechanisms of privacy and, and, and escaping accountability. We should be holding everybody accountable, and government is a, is a very powerful, uh, effective mechanism for that. So the, the idea that, you know, if you have a smartphone, if you have a cell phone basically today, the government can, uh, can uh, listen in on, on your conversations or whatever. They can, they can audio eavesdrop through your phone um, when, whenever they want, and they can know where you are at all, all times. I mean, this is, this is an incredible thing that really has gotten uh, – Given authorities a whole other power that they they never had before, and it, it hasn't. This technology has just this incredible potential to unify humanity around governments and get us marching in lockstep forward through history. And you know, when when I see a story like this uh, with 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 curfews and and you know, I, I mentioned the the uh, you know hair salon stories and, and and you know a lot of gym owners. As well, opening in, in, in civil dis civil disobedience, um, you know, which is which is really when when you're a criminal, uh, a, 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 a pathetic excuse for your behavior. Uh, you know, I mean, what's a bank robber going to do next? If, if if we really let this civil disobedience thing get out of hand, next thing you know, you'll have bank robbers saying, "Well, this is my civil disobedience." You know, no. Uh, so I. I, I want to see government apply this technology fully. And, again, I think it's critical that we support our leaders and politicians who are doing the important legal work uh, when some of these government agencies are under attack to defend their authority and get them more money and strengthen their budgets so that, uh, you know, in, in a place like Newark, we're able to see uh, a curfew like this uh, fully enforced. And, you know, I, I think if, if Trump could have, with his national state of emergency, he would have uh, imposed a national curfew, but sadly, uh, national law enforcement just isn't as strong as it needs to be. 
Our next article is from The Hill, thehill.com. Cruz, colon, Hunter Biden attacks don't move a single voter. This is, of course, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican from Texas, says he doesn't think that President Trump's attacks on Hunter Biden will move even one voter. And, and I think this is great news, again, as, as we covered the story yesterday. Uh, despite some people saying that the video and, and, and the, 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 the fact that uh, someone, a lawyer, went to the computer repair shop and asked for the, uh, the laptop back, and that proves that this is all true. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that the, the American people uh, aren't factoring in these petty personal attacks against American royalty. And I think Senator Cruz is right here. I, I hate to, to, to ever say anything at all uh, that, that might cast doubt on our, our dear leader Trump's authority here. But when, uh, you know, Trump might be making a, a tactical mistake, uh, but you know what, I have to then question myself. If you find, and this is, I think, really, really important for us to remember as status, is that if you ever find yourself questioning authority, you know, when you point the finger at someone, you're pointing three fingers back at yourself, and you need to look at those other three fingers and go, what's wrong with me? Why am I questioning this authority? And in this case, I would say, in, in me personally questioning Trump's strategy, uh, I, I just have to assume that Trump has uh, some other motive uh, th- that he's got for doing this uh, or, or, or some other uh, legitimate reason. So that being said, again, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I, CJ has it in, in, in here. And I, I would, you know what, this is really a quote for the ages. CJ, what you just said is, is absolutely genius. Um, and and I, I, I wish I had thought of this. Maybe we should, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you know, since I'm the authority with this show, you can give me credit for it since I'm going to be the first to say it out loud. And then we can put it on memes with my face. Uh, it's a mistake to think that our leaders would make a mistake. Truer words never spoken. Thank you so much for that, CJ. All right, let's see if we have time. Let's run through a couple headlines before we get to uh, our last check-in with the audience to wrap things up. Uh, the Daily Mail.co.uk, the Daily Mail online has this headline, Trump's $1.1 billion debt mountain. How the president owes huge sums linked to his towers and golf courses with $900 million due to be repaid within the next four years as COVID hammers, excuse me, the real estate market. He has a $1.1 billion mountain of debt, according to the Financial Times, $900 million of it due in the next four years, Trump's TV checks, though not his airtime, have diminished since he moved to the White House in 2016. With his primary source of income dented, much of the president's wealth is tied up in commercial property. The president has an estimated net worth of $2.5 billion, but stormy financial seas lie ahead post-pandemic. And I just think this is a testimony to the integrity uh, of our president, that he has leveraged the system so well. And, uh, you know, why shouldn't people be able to profit from public office? Uh, when we elect someone uh, as a, to, to political office in America and give them a unique authority and power that we don't have as individuals, we are really saying that they're, they're better people. Uh, and and I, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of debate on how this happens. But overall, yes, people should be able to public. Uh, to, to profit from public office. And I think Trump is a great example of this. 
And I, I don't know about this $2.5 billion net worth number because uh, this, and this has gone back and forth. When, when he was running, uh, his, his net worth was $10 billion. And uh, obviously when you're worth that much, your wealth is going to fluctuate, fluctuate with the value of your brand. Uh, that, that $10 billion, like, see, I, I think that the Daily Mail here is actually really still, and, and, and this is, again, it, 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 some of these, you know, fake journalists who, who think their job is to challenge authority, uh, some of them were saying that, uh, you know, Trump's not really worth $10 billion. He's really only worth a few hundred million. And then when his tax returns came out and, and, and it was revealed, that, that he was actually significantly leveraged with his real estate properties and had a lot of debt that he was carrying. You know, that, again, I, I, I agree with the president and what he said here is that he's actually under leveraged. Given his overall financial position and the value of his brand, then uh, he's, he's uh, you know, he really should have more debt in the sense that he should, he should be borrowing more money so that he can apply his genius to manage more property. And this, this number here, they're putting out $2.5 billion. I mean, Trump's brand just from being president of the United States, it, I mean, it's worth well over $10 billion. I mean, how much, how much money can you make from that as a speaker uh, and as a consultant, you know, when you get out of the presidency? And the, and the brand, I mean, think of the – he'll be able to reopen Trump University – He'll be able to start selling stakes again. You know, I mean, his his net worth is is hugely underestimated, and and I would you know I hesitate to put an exact number on it. Uh, I'll wait till I hear his next estimate. But I gotta say, it's it's it, it, if it was ten billion dollars before he was elected to the presidency, it's got to be at least twenty billion now, and and really probably more than that with all of the ways that uh, his, his empire has grown. Uh, while he's been president, his business empire, uh, even though he hasn't had the time to lead it himself, and it would grow a lot more if, if, if he did. But uh, given that he is, he's sort of uh, separated, you know, management so that he can focus on being president and, and serving the American people, uh, his, his actual, you know, business values haven't increased as much as they should have over the last four years. But uh, win or lose, uh, you know, his net worth is going to keep going up and up and up as people see the value in his brand. Uh, people, you know, when, when they see how much greater America is, when people see how much uh, more prosperous and, and safer we are because uh, of President Trump's four or eight years in office, they're just going to want more and more of them, and they're going to recognize that uh, because of his brand, his, his name ID, his net worth, is, is way more than, than any of these uh, punk critics would possibly suggest. Um, so uh, let's see a couple comments in the Producers Club. CJ says he is the leader of the free world. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that, really, that leader of the free world, that's got to make your brand value go up, obviously. So uh, let's see. Senator, next, our next, uh, let's just breeze through a couple. See, we can we can, uh, we can skim over a couple. We've got, we've got a little international block. Um, and we're going to come back to the surveillance story tomorrow, CJ. But uh, let's let's go ahead to uh, the well. You know, again, this China story too. Um, 
You know, I think we got to come back to this censorship in China. There's uh, some some stuff going on in Nigeria. Uh, some some just out of control protesting. Uh, a little update about Iran and uh, Qatar Airways. I guess we can skip ahead to this Bloomberg real quick here. Qatar Airways faces protests over examination of Australian women. Uh, women examined after babies found abandoned at Doha Airport. Uh, airport workers may refuse to service clean Qatar airplanes. Uh, Qatar Airways faces an effective grounding of its planes in cities. Workers consider striking over the treatment earlier this month of some uh, female Australian passengers in Doha. Uh, and, you know, I just, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame that we see this kind of economic disruption. So, I, you know, I hope they can get their, uh, their staff under control. Um, and then this is a, this is, there's one last headline I'm going to mention today, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to get into this because this, this really deserves uh, a, a proper examination. So I promise we'll come back to this one tomorrow from aljazeera.com. WHO, that's not the band, the WHO, that's the World Health Organization, urges world don't give up as COVID-19 pandemic resurges. Uh, WHO chief acknowledges fatigue, but says distancing masks vital to avoid return to strict lockdowns. And I know when, uh, you know, authority reaches into your lives with uh, a new policy, sometimes that takes some getting used to. But as, as we keep in mind that this is all for our own good, uh, I think it's going to become a lot. I think we should have no problem overcoming this um, fatigue phenomenon. All right, let's go to comment Jim. For our last check-in with the audience before we do our promos and wrap things up today. What's going on? Excuse me. Okay, a couple guesses as to who you should vote for, I think. Uh, Leland Birch says, I'd vote Trump over Biden. Even though they could be playing us, Biden is directly tied to the cabal, the neocons, globalists, etc., It's tough this year because Biden's radical appointees are so far left and anti-freedom. Very. Who who is that from? Leland Birch. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a that's a pretty good insight there. Um, hmm. Although, see, if if when you say put hold on, put it back up. I want to get the the wording right. I mean, when when Leland, when you say um, far left and anti freedom for Biden's radical appointees, I think you should have put quotes around that. Um, but in terms of being, uh, you know, far left and anti-freedom, I think what you mean is, uh, you know, pro-bigger government and, and, and pro-authority. And that's, that's, that's a point for Biden. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. What's next? Well, 1054 says, considering your sketchy past, let us choose your leader, Adam. We know better. Uh, you know, we might do that. Maybe with Monday's show, we'll just we'll let you guys vote on who I should vote for. That's that's fair. That would put 1054 in the lead, I think. Huh? Yeah, isn't 1054 already a member of a, of the producers club? Um, I don't know. There's so many people in there. I lost track of who is and who isn't <laughs> in their in their alternate egos online. Uh, if they are not, email me Jim at freedomline.com. All right, Jim, any other critical comments before we sign off today? Uh, Empty Matter says, good show. Until next time. All right. 
Well, uh, I think then we're going to award our, uh, our our membership in the Producers Club today to uh, Mr. Heckman. I think, uh, you know, pointing out the, the importance of militarism, which candidate is going to be able to uh, you know, do the most with the military. I, and and I, I, wish, I, I still wish we could have had more on that from Ben. Uh, you know, as, as a military veteran and combat veteran myself, uh, I, I know that uh, the more combat that we have now, the better to get humanity on the same page, to get us towards a global government. I know that, you know, everybody who died in Iraq when I was there uh, died for the good cause of the American government and, and, and for peace, uh, essentially. So um, I, I, I just want to I want to thank Ben for pointing that out and, and the importance of militarism in moving humanity forward. So let's let's go ahead and award that to Ben. Congratulations, Ben. You are the winner. By the way, you can uh, buy your way into the Producers Club. And, yeah, I know, there's some branding confusion here. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll figure out something else that, that's really more in line with, uh, with, with a responsible message. But for now, you can see uh, what's there at patreon.com slash Adam versus the man, uh, which you can also find through – no, no, get the comment off, Adam – Adam, uh, there, there, Adam, uh, there, there, com. You go to adamlovestheman.com and, uh, and and check that out directly without having to remember that longer link. Uh, last promo here, of course, with our other affiliates, uh, cigarfederation.com. Please check it out. Promo code ADAM10. That's all caps. ADAM10 gets you 10% off your order. All right, and then, of course, we would be remiss to not mention MakeThemDebate.com. Check out the beginning of the show if you missed it for my explanation about how cool that website is and the potential to advance statism through intellectual challenges in debate there. Jim, any last critical comments before we sign off today? Uh, just a unicorny one watching on Periscope says, Trump or Biden, question mark, both extraordinary individuals, so it's a win-win. Absolutely. That's a great note to end on. And with that, we will sign off to say, war and slavery, all choose obedience, and don't forget to report your suspicious neighbors to the authorities.